This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, not so much television anymore. I don't know. I guess since the COVID stuff happened, but who cares? Radio host, car guy. All right. Today on the show, we're going to talk about, you ready for this? The $100 billion self-driving scam. And to do this talking is the person that does all the research on this stuff. Lauren Fix. She is the car coach, carcoachreports.com. You can find her with the at sign at Lauren Fix on Twitter, and uh, she'll give you all the addresses. Lauren Fix is all over the place. But uh, Lauren, let's just talk about this to begin with. It's all of a sudden in the news again, and I think you and I and, and, and you and me and a lot of other people have always said, you know what? I don't trust no self-driving car. <laughs> you know, I don't mind if it, it like they have these little driver assist things that are kind of nice, but as soon as you take your eyes and hands and things away from the, the wheel, you know, um, the sky's the limit that what can happen. And I just saw a horrible thing that happened to where a Tesla ran into the back of a, a fire truck. Did you see that? Oh, yeah, and that's partly partly part of these wow. recalls that yeah. are going on. Oh, and that's another and story. I'll yeah. tell you what. Well, look at it. Let's just start with a little bit off the topic. You've seen that chat GPT, that AI, where it says, oh, yeah, you can ask it questions and it'll give you all kinds of great answers. Right. But much like that type of mindset, when you teach a computer, it starts to learn either your driving or your style or who you are. And sometimes it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Sort of like a child. Or an animal. <laughs> right. It does what it knows, but it doesn't know anything else. Mm. So although some of the safety features that are out there are really fabulous, like I love rear cross, traffic alert, blind spot right. protection. I love the cameras and yeah. the Hyundai's and the Kia's, all great. But if you want a vehicle to drive itself, you think, oh, well, there's autopilot, there's Super Cruise. Well, there's a big difference between that and Blue Cruise. Super Cruise is probably the most advanced of what's out there. Mercedes has also an excellent system. But they will tell you, you have to keep your eyes on the road, and they track your eyes, and your hands have to be ready to grab the wheel at any time, which is only good if you have to grab a drink, take a bite of that sandwich that you have. But it's really not meant for you to go to sleep, totally ignore right. the streets, and let the car drive. There's no such thing as level five self-driving cars. So... The problem is, is that Tesla sells autopilot as basically set it where you want and just let it do its thing. Right. And like you said, it hit a fire truck. There's been a ton of accidents. And the fact is they're selling this $100 billion of investment that every brand has put into self-driving cars. Now, you and I have both been in self-driving cars since like 2009. I've been in with Volvo and Audi and Mercedes. But the only way it works is one way, is that every single car on the road is autonomous. And that's not going to happen. Right. I mean, you've got billions of cars on the road on a global basis. And there's five reasons why this is never going to work. The first thing is the government still, to this day, has not come up with regulations on what is a self-driving car and where the regulations are. You can test it, sure, all day long. 
but the only one that's doing anything beyond level two, which is what we have right now, is level three, and that's Mercedes. And they're just testing. So when you think about Waymo and these autonomous cars, a mutual friend of ours, Henry Payne, got into an Uber that was self-driving in San Francisco, thinking this would be cool, great story. He writes for the Detroit News. He got in the vehicle, and it started to rain. The vehicle pulled over to the side of the road, put on its four ways, and said on the screen in front of him, no driver. Please contact Uber and get a driver to finish your trip. And so he had to contact Uber through the app, and it knew that he was in an autonomous vehicle. And when it rains, it doesn't work. Big factor, weather. If it rains, it causes glare from the raindrops. Snow causes blockage. This is why they only test it in nice, warm climates. And I covered a whole bunch of details and reasons why this is a $10 billion self-driving car scam. Mm. It's on my Car Coach Reports YouTube channel. And it's really interesting. And, and there's a lot of research behind this. I mean, I didn't just throw it out there. I actually did some research and got some quotes and some information. But even the hardware has developed some bugs and glitches. All right, well, hold the on. Weather. Hold then on. you've got hackers. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and this is the problem. Even I remember talking about hackers hacking into things 10 years ago when this was just in the infancy of it. But uh, yep. And I want to talk about what Nissan calls their ProPilot Assist. It gives you uh, a hand with the little things it says. I'm reading this right off the website. Um, like helping keep you centered in your lane and maintaining a, a preset distance from the vehicle ahead. My wife has this vehicle, and actually it's pretty nice. But if you take your hands off the wheel for more than 10 seconds, it's the lights start flashing at you. Put your hands back on the wheel, or it just releases. So there's a way to do it, but oh boy. We're talking about this $100 billion self-driving scam with Lauren Fix. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, it is the drive all across America and around the world on radio stations. Thank you to the radio stations and podcast at all the, you know, all kinds of different podcast places. I don't even know. If you if you want to hear about car stuff bad enough, you'll either find me, Alan Taylor, The Drive with Alan Taylor, or Lauren Fix, carcoachreports.com. She's uh, very good at what she does, and she's a fearless woman. I have a few fearless women in my life, and I like to get them on the radio because, to me, uh, Lauren, women, you know, I mean, look who's changing the world right now with all of what's going on in the crazy world with the, the schools. The mamas are out there. The mamas are out there protecting their babies. You know what I mean? 
So, uh, mama bears, mama bears. There you go. (laughs) And you're about to be a mama too. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I mean, a grandmama. (laughs) I think that is so awesome. I'll be, I'll be Gigi. I'm too young to be grandma. (laughs) I know. know, Exactly. Mentally. Congratulations. I I mean, she said, I can't wait. It's going to be very exciting. She says to me, if the phone rings and it's my daughter and her water has broken, I'm going to have to run. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. My my daughter, too, by the way. My daughter's a couple months away, but we got another one coming. They're fantastic. Congratulations. I didn't know that. This is number how many for her? This is number three for her, but number five, because two of my kids have kids now. And it's it's the best thing in the world, I got to tell you. So let's get back. Oh, for sure. Okay. So this gigantic self-driving scam that uh, has been uh, played on people, a lot of people, I think the, sadly, the Tesla owners and they're finding out the hard way. And if you haven't seen it yet, a Tesla slammed right into the back of a um, fire truck here recently, this last week, and the driver died. And one of our friends, I don't know if you saw his comment that said, at least no emergency workers were killed or innocent bystanders. The person that should have been driving that car that was not paying attention. I mean, think about it. A fire truck on the freeway turned almost sideways with all the lights and everything. How did that person not see that and take control of that car? Probably sleeping is exactly right. It's insanity. Anyway. We see that all the time. I do a lot of radio networks around the country, and that's a big problem in California also where people are asleep behind the wheel. People take pictures of it. It's like because they sold you something as autopilot, as self-driving, and they call it FSD, the full self-driving. There's no such thing. So Tesla had to do a recall because the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration put the big crush on them Uh. because it was like – you didn't have to have your hands near the steering wheel. You know, you just kind of set it. it. It does track your eyes. And believe me, he tracks all the data. All that data is tracked. But the problem with that is it means you're going to lose in court. But what it really means is that you're putting other people at risk. Yeah. That's a bigger issue. Right. And one of the big things I say, you know, with this big recall, 363,000 Teslas. That doesn't mean the car can't be driven. What they're going to do is next time you turn it on, you'll get an automatic update just like you would on your phone or something right, like that. Right. And that and that update will change what self-driving does. Now, what does it do specifically? NHTSA didn't release that. And certainly Tesla will never tell you that because mm. that would be disclosure of their malfeasance as far as I'm concerned. But, I mean, think about this. Here are people that are waiting and looking for this self-driving. you still got, as I said, government regulation. You've got the insurance company. So whose fault is it? Your fault? My fault? Whose fault is it? Is it Alan's fault? Is it Lauren's fault? Is it the guy who was involved? Is it the software guy? I mean, just, it's a nightmare waiting to happen. Yeah. And then on top of that, the hackers, which have hacked into cars for years and years and years, both Tesla's and literally everything else. And when you start thinking about the ramifications of that, plus weather, you know, I don't think we may never truly see full self-driving. Yes, in theory, it's been possible for a decade and we've actually ridden in it, and we've seen cars go up Pikes Peak and all, and that's all cool. But until there's 100% of the cars in the road that way, and they, they would have to literally mandate every single car to be off the road. And that won't happen for two reasons. One, the pushback would be unbelievable from right, people that right. can't afford new cars or self-driving cars. But then also think about who's got the money in this world. The people that go out and buy those $63 million Ferraris, they're going to want to drive them. (laughs) And they're going to be able to. That will not fly. All right, you guys, check out carcoachreports.com on the web. Check out her her, uh, YouTube channel. 
She does all kinds of reporting. She's like every day the most prolific writer and video maker and car test driver. Uh, she's been doing this for a long time. She's my friend Lauren Fix. When we come back, uh, if so if you want more information on this stuff, just go to her website. You'll find it there. Uh, we're going to talk about a winter driving test. And where I am, it's very wintry right now. We'll be right back. It is The Drive. That's the way you do it. Let me tell you, damn guys ain't dumb. Maybe get up the storm. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now, Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift. The full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger. And the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by Subaru Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And you'll hear their commercials. They've got uh, lots of new new metal on the road. And their new electric, all-electric car now, too. Lauren Fix joining us. Lauren Fix is um, host of Car Coach Reports. CarCoachReports.com on the web and at Lauren Fix for Twitter, Instagram, hashtag CarCoachReports, and uh, a million other places. You can find her YouTube channel. She does lots of videos. I called her and she was like, I'm editing my video right now. I was like, you are the one person, Lauren, that like you're a do-it-all person. I love that about you. It's good. <laughs> you got to do it these days. Everything's getting too expensive. Either do it yourself or it doesn't happen. There you, know? you go. Well, now you're an entrepreneur like I am, and I, and I love that. I love that. Okay, so I saw pictures of you. I love, that. I love what you're doing. Thank love you. I, well, and we just had two new cows. My, my herd keeps growing. Uh, two calves, a little boy, a little boy, a little calf, oh, wow. a little bull, and a little heifer. Cool. Anyway, uh, so you were in Montana, and it looked like it was really snowy. It literally just started snowing outside of my house right now. So where I live, I live in Southern Oregon, everybody, and I travel the world. But um, right now, it just started snowing. And so here we are. Puxatani Phil saw his shadow and he was 100% right. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you know, here we are, middle of... <laughs> Either way, it's the same thing. You're going to get snowed and stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's pretty much... That's 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 actually funny. But uh, you were at, uh, what was it, Montana all-weather test drive of some sort? Yeah, so Infinity invited us out to drive their intelligent all-wheel drive. So regular all-wheel drive is all-wheels driven. Intelligent all-wheel drive is where you can move the torque or the braking to each corner or the acceleration so that you get the best traction and it's instantaneous right so their infinity qx60 now has it but the best way to do that especially because it was minus 16 air temperature Whew. thank god i know how to dress appropriately i have my snowmobile gear on so i'm i was up to par on that but they used bridgestone blizzax which is what i use on my all-wheel drive suv because it's not just an all-wheel drive, and I have a kind of a unique all-wheel drive vehicle, but I always run window tires because we see snow. And remember, Buffalo got snowed in on Christmas yeah, Day. Buffalo. And when everyone right, was yeah. flipping out, I just dropped it into all-wheel drive and blew yeah. right through it. So I know they work. Yeah. But they've got some really cool technology. So Bridgestone got us an opportunity to try the new Blizz X, the LM005, and they have one for a sedan also. 
you can get them a tire rack. There's a million places you can discount tire. You can go to a Bridgestone Firestone store. <clears throat> but the idea is get them because if you see winter three times a year or your temperatures are below 40 degrees, there's a 40 degree rule. Anytime it's under 40 degrees, you should have snow tires because otherwise it's like wearing dress shoes on ice. It's just like not going to get good traction. You right. might get there. It won't be there smart. But when you have a snow boot on, you get better traction. You know, you know what I learned? I learned tires. this years well, ago about the Blizzak tires, and I don't know whether it's still the same way, but when they decided they wanted to figure out how to make the best tire, they thought, well, polar bears, you know, they don't seem to slip and slide all over the place. So they took a polar right? bear paw and they examined it under a microscope to, you know, how is it the little black pads on their paws have such good traction on the snow and they literally fashioned their tires after what they saw under the microscope it's amazing and it really does work so i wasn't on it that trip really but, does yeah it's amazing and and part of that is that there is an actual process to it it's this multi like um they're like little bubbles in the rubber so basically it gives it that ability to be flexible and grip the snow and then it packs the snow into the grooves that are called sites and then it gives snow-on-snow snow traction. Yeah. No, it's, it's really, really smart. No question about it. I think uh, a lot of people think they have to have studded tires. And studded tires, oh, to God. me... Those are illegal. In some things. states, they are. But, you know, if you live in an area where you have a lot of black ice all the time, that's a little different story because black ice is ice is ice. But if it's snow, you know, blizzacks are fine. I mean, tires, you don't have to have studs because they, they actually tear up the road. And uh, so in our area, they are legal, but you have to have them off by April 1st. So, but anyway. We have April 15th here where we are. Yeah, yep. yeah. Anyway, so uh, the vehicle you drove there was what? What did you say it was? It was a uh, Infinity. Well, we drove five Infinities: The Q50, the QX50, the QX55, the QX60, and the QX80. All good? All good. Actually, I like the Infinity product. I think they make a yeah. really good... Very value-based luxury car. And remember, they're going head-to-head with Genesis, yeah. as well as Acura right. and Lexus. Right. But, you know, you, you can get some pretty good deals. People that own them love them. They yeah. have a huge following of people that are, like, super, super loyal to the brand. No, it's true. And, um, you know, my, my wife got the Nissan Rogue, which Nissan and Infiniti are, you know, that's... Infiniti is like, um, for Toyota, they have Lexus. For Nissan, they have Infiniti. So it's the premium right. line. And last week I learned that uh, premium cars right now have so, car. I don't know. Was one of the guys was telling me. I think it was uh, Brian Moody from Auto Trader. He said that premium cars are up more than anything right now. People are buying yep. premium machines. So um, it's and good. they plan to keep them too. They're leasing them and then they're buying them off the lease because you just can't get product. Interesting. And so that's it's a very interesting way to make it work because if you think about it. You know, if you're going to buy a car today, the cost of a car average price is almost $50,000. It doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, you got to keep it forever <laughs> to make it make sense. Yeah. All right, Lauren. Exactly. Um, give us all the places people can find you real quick. Uh, car Coach Reports on YouTube. You can go to my website, uh, carcoachreports.com. Any form of social media at Lauren Fix. If you got car questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. Just connect with me on some form of social media. You're awesome. That's Lauren Fix, everybody. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right. Carl Brower coming up next. He's going to talk about all kinds of crazy stuff in the car industry, too, like the electric vehicle infrastructure. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back.
Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Why does he keep saying that? I don't even hardly do any television anymore. As a matter of fact, I will not be on Live with Kelly and Ryan again. Because I did not get vaccinated. I don't care. I live on a farm and I didn't want to get vaccinated. But in order to be on ABC, you have to have your vax card and your your uh, your what are your booster shot card. I'm like, see ya. Never mind. Not that important. And uh, and then Ryan Seacrest is going somewhere else too. Look at that. So anyway, maybe next year or whenever or maybe never again. I don't really care. Anyway, Carl Brower joining us. How do you like that, Carl? <laughs> uh, you know, when you, can, when you consider that you've got the perfect face for radio, it works yeah, out better for everyone. It's true. Do you know how much Bondo they have to sculpt my face? It's like, the, bring your own Bondo, Alan. I'm like, no, you use that stuff you guys put on Regis before me. Regis, you know, it's like the guy looked like he was like uh, 60 years old until he was, you know, 85 or whatever when he passed away. And it was all because they have that pancake makeup they put on you. Although I did like yeah. it. I like the false eyelashes and the uh, fishnet stockings and things. Oops. I'm not supposed to talk about that. But anyway. <laughs> Carl Brower, everybody, automotive industry analyst. He is a executive analyst for iccars.com. And they have done a massive, comprehensive study on the electric vehicle infrastructure, the charging infrastructure, like gas stations, in this case, charging stations. Carl, let me just tell you something. I went to a little restaurant. There's a chain of them in the Pacific Northwest called Black Bear Diner. And they, they typically overfeed you to where they have wheelbarrows waiting outside. They just cart you out to your car in a wheelbarrow. But uh, back behind the Black Bear Diner, which is the most unsuspecting place I would imagine, there were all these Tesla charging stations. And I thought, isn't that weird? In a small town in Oregon, it's behind this little, you would think it would be behind McDonald's or some big chain, you know, In-N-Out Burger that, you know, Northwest is famous for now. But uh, no, behind some little, uh, little restaurant. And there they were. And, and there was about, uh, I don't know, 10 inches of water. Because it was raining and rains in Oregon. And I thought, oh, that's what I want to do. Go and plug into something while I'm standing ankle deep in water. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the infrastructure because the most oddly placed fueling stations or charging stations. Go for it. 
Well, it's important to keep in mind kind of the numbers, especially because there's all these numbers that have to work together, right? So number one is the 40 plus percent market share that the government wants us to be at for EVs in 2030. And we're at like six and a half right now. So that's like a five, six, seven times increase in market share and in the amount of vehicles that are being sold new as EVs. That kind of growth is going to mean a massive level of needed charging options. Sure, you can charge your EV at home, and most people charge it at home most of the time. But people also go out to do errands in the middle of the day, and sometimes they even want to go on road trips. And if you're living in a multifamily housing unit, like an apartment building or a condominium area, charging at home might be tricky. You might have no options, or you might have five in the building, and there's 50 units. So that means, you know, the five people who get to the parking structure first every day coming home from work get the plots and everyone else who's got an EV, SOL. So this is why we need a much, much stronger infrastructure. So there's kind of the baseline reason we need more infrastructure. Now, there are 150,000 gas stations in the country right now, and they're pretty much working for all the cars out there. And so why wouldn't the 146,000 EV charging plugs that are out there, you know, you say charging stations and people think of like, you know, a whole bunch of them grouped together, like you just described. But the numbers I'm talking about are individual plugs. That means individual slots that could charge a car. There are 146,000 of those in the country right now, almost as many as gas stations. Well, and there's hardly any EVs compared to gasoline cars. We're all done. We're good, right? What's the problem? Well, the problem is that when you pull into a gas station, it takes you between two and seven minutes to fill up your car and you're gone. If you look at those 146,000 EV charging slots that we've got, all but 29,000 of them are level two. And level two means that you get 12 to 60 miles of range in an hour of charging. So if you try to pull into a level two charging infrastructure place with your EV and plug it in for five to 10 minutes like you would in a uh, gasoline car, you're going to get like two miles of range in 10 minutes or less. Now, the level three charging uh, slots, the level three infrastructure that's out there for fast charging, DC fast chargers, they're still not as fast as filling up your gasoline car, but they're much faster. Instead of giving you like 12 to 20 miles in an hour, they give you three to 20 miles in a minute. So that's a heck of a lot more over the course of an hour that you get if you were to charge that long. And right. even like 20 minutes gets you, that'll get you to 80% on a lot of these car batteries if they've got the right uh, 800 volt system. Yeah. So 800 volt. Oh. matter. And all, and there are only 29,000 of them and 17,000 of those are Tesla chargers. So there's only 11,000 level three chargers in the whole country for people to use. Yeah. But again, back to my standing in ankle deep water, plugging in an 800 volt, <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be like, imagine yeah. this, this is the problem with not having some sort of a standard in place for everyone to be able to charge. And I realize you're going to, you know, at some point you're going to talk about how Tesla is one of the things we should, and we can continue on, actually take a break here and continue on, but Tesla with their supercharger stations or whatever they call them, you know, they put it behind a little little funky restaurant, which is, is fine, but imagine if you went to a gas station that was behind a little funky restaurant and you were standing ankle deep in gasoline and then putting gasoline in your car. All it takes is one little thing to go wrong. And, you know, it's like, I, no, thank you, man. No, thank you. 
It's like there needs to yeah. be some serious work done to have standards put in place, and it needs to be one plug for all cars. Now, don't say anything. Sure. Don't don't say anything because I'm going to make you hold over and talk about this on the other side. Don't go anywhere. All right, here it comes. Here it comes. This is Carl's music. It's called Dream Machine. Carl Brower on the phone. He's going to talk about a dream machine, a vehicle called a Lamborghini Urus. Oh. Urus. Urus. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru, and their first SUV of its kind, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Solterra, built to help protect the environment so it can be explored. It's the first electric vehicle to feature the legendary standard capability of symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you to places traditional electric vehicles can't reach. Love is now electric. Learn more at Subaru.com slash Solterra. Well, it is the drive all across America. I'm Alan Taylor. Our show is brought to you in part by Subaru. We appreciate Subaru and Dodge and all the different companies that uh, sponsor our show. Uh, it means a lot to me because it keeps me on uh, almost 100 radio stations still after 30 years. Carl Brower joining us. He is on the... Um, North American Car Truck and SUV of the Year. He's a member uh, of the board, and he's a juror, and he's an executive analyst for the iccars.com website. They did this massive study on the uh, electric vehicle infrastructure. And, uh, Carl, um, this is uh, this is very heady stuff. Very, for me, <laughs> I just want a gas station. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot going on, and the study is crazy, and people, who are really interested in this should go to the site because this is the most comprehensive study and there's a lot of tables in there. But if you care about this stuff, you'll find a lot of valuable information. Well, and I think too, if if they were going to buy an electric car, they really should take the time to to look into the infrastructure. And so you guys did this study. If you're thinking about buying, like for example, Dodge has got, you know, they've, they've shown the world their new electric truck the new electric Ram, I should say, Ram. And I still think of a Dodge as a Dodge truck, but it's Ram. And then they're coming out with the, uh, what is it, the Charger or the Challenger, one of the two, the electric version of that. Everybody's got something electric now. Subaru's got their new electric vehicle. So you should look into this. So iccars.com is the website. Massive, comprehensive study on the infrastructure of electric for electric vehicles. So you guys, I see iseecars.com that's where you find it if you're thinking about it if your family has one and they've been talking about it here's where you get all the information continue carl yeah and that's exactly why we did this study on what you just said because we know there are a lot of people out there who are just on the cusp they're like do i make the leap do i go ev and we want to make people have an ability to know how well are their local areas for charging Uh, how hard is it for them to charge in their local area so we did this study, and what we did is we, we crossed the Department of Energy's information about all the EV chargers across this country, level two and level three, versus the population size. So, for instance, the national average is one electric vehicle charger for every 2,280 U.S. residents. So right now today, 
if you were just on average, you were the average drove trying to go to the average electric vehicle charger closest to you, in theory, you're competing with 2,280 other people or 2,279 other people trying to get there. That's how it is across the total average across the country. Now, if you go to level three fast chargers, and I was saying, those are the only ones that really you can use in the day. If you park your car overnight, level two is great. If you're driving around the day and you all of a sudden you need to run errands, you need a little quick uh, pick-me-up or you're on a road trip and you're trying to get filled as quickly or close to as quickly as the gasoline car, you can only use level three. There is one level three fast charger in this country for every 11,602 residents. Wow. So that's a lot of competition. And by the way, that includes Tesla as well. So it starts to get real ugly when you look at how many fast chargers there are and how many potential residents and people there are driving electric vehicles if people start buying them at the rate the government wants us to. Right. So the study will tell you the top, you know, for instance, San Jose, San Francisco, and Oakland are all considered one, you know, market, one city market. And there are 465 residents per charger up there. So that's a lot lower than the 2,280 I just said nationally, right? Right. Conversely, the worst city in the country is St. Louis, Missouri. There are 5,787 residents for every vehicle charger, every electric vehicle charger in St. Louis. So you swing from 465 residents for each of those chargers in San Francisco to 5,787 in St. Louis. If you're an electric vehicle car buyer potentially sitting on the fence, you have a very different picture in front of you if you have to charge outside your home if you're in San Fran versus right, St. Louis. Right, right. This is well, one so, example. And we have all the cities listed, okay. all the states listed. It's so important. The study just tells you everything. Yeah. And then we have it broken out by Tesla and non-Tesla, too. All right. So we got about two and a half minutes till the commercial break. I want you to get in there a little bit about how little help Tesla will provide if it opens its supercharger network up. And what's going on there? There's like uh, they're only committing, what, 3,500 chargers or something? What's going on there? So non-Tesla superchargers are numbered a little over 11,000. Tesla superchargers are numbered over 17,000. So he has like almost, uh, you know, not quite twice, but he's got like one and a half times. He's got way more superchargers, level three fast chargers in his network than the non-Tesla network. And that's everything out of Electrify America, EVgo, ChargePoint, add them all together. There's barely 11,000 in the whole country. If he added all of his in one fell swoop, we jump to over twice as many. We'd go from 11,000 superchargers that anyone can use to 28,000, almost 29,000. Right. But he's not going to do that. He's not going to let all 17,000 uh. of his superchargers be available for non-Tesla drivers. He's only going to let 3,500, which is, you do the math, that's 20%. So he's only letting 20% of his fast charging network available uh, yeah, for non-Tesla yeah, yeah, owners. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've got to look at his perspective. He's got all these loyal customers. They love having their own network. He would probably anger them if he gave everyone access to that. Okay, well, you're right. I see that. That makes sense. But it's not going to help much. You know, know, he's not going to change the numbers much for non-Tesla drivers by adding 3,500 more. Well, again, to my point, it's uh, it's just, it's part of the... um, with the learning curve and the and the uh, what is this? We have this massive transformation happening in the auto industry. I just don't quite think that the electric car is the only answer at this point, and and hopefully not everybody will jump into them. That's why a lot of the automakers are still going to continue. I know a lot of these automakers have, have announced. You know, like GM just made a huge announcement. They're going to build a you know a brand new like a billion dollar 
engine, not motor for electric motor, but engine, internal combustion engine factory. So they're going to continue. Thank goodness for guys like you and me that people like you and I that love internal combustion, ice, internal combustion engine. And, um, you know, listen, it's just going to take some years before there's enough infrastructure. All right, we're going to take a break. Yes. we come back, we're going to talk about a vehicle called a Urus, a Lamborghini Urus. I have not driven one, but Carl has. Stay with us. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And right now joining us is Carl Brower. He is a automotive industry analyst and he works for a number of different outlets. One of the biggies, of course, the executive analyst for iccars.com. That's where you can find that whole study on the electric vehicle infrastructure, iccars.com. And thanks to iccars.com for lending us the giant, swollen, oversized cranium Known as Carl Brower. <laughs> and Carl I'm also... I'm seeing some doctors about that. I'm going to see if I can fix that. You know what? I think there's a little... Uh, what do they call that little valve on a tire that you can let the air pressure out? You know, <laughs> maybe just a little air pressure out of your out of your skull there. You also do some stuff for Forbes Autos. And here's a Lamborghini Urus. I've seen them. I don't know that I like them or don't like them because until you drive one, you can't go, oh, yeah, baby. Was it an oh, yeah, baby thing for you or was it like, eh, what was it? It's more like a what the heck is going on thing for me, right? (laughs) Because I remember the first time I drove like the Panamera, the Porsche Panamera, which is a sizable luxury sedan that uh, has been out for years. And the first time I drove one aggressively on Mulholland on my standard driving move out here in Southern California – I was like, what the heck's going on? Because this thing is big, it's large, I know it has a lot of curb weight, how am I going around these corners at this rate with the thing handling it? And that car probably weighed like 4,500 or approaching 5,000 pounds, honestly, at the time. The Lamborghini Urus, and first of all, we have to have some fun with the name, right? First of all, U-R-U-S. Yes. There are just so many ways you can have fun with this name, as you and I know. The, the, the way I just, the way I try to keep it somewhat clean with the name is to just make sure you understand that the Italians don't say Urus even though that's what all us unsophisticated Americans say. Yeah. To say it properly, it's Lamborghini Urus. 
Buddhist. That's how you're supposed to say it. Okay. Uh, the first part that comes out, the first part that comes out of your mouth when you say the name, it should be a. Uh. It's so, like a punch in the gut. I know what it is. Right. It's like if I punch you in the baby maker, what's the first noise? You're gonna go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. From the just like if you say the name like you sing when you talk to singing coaches, if it's not coming from your diaphragm, you're right. doing it wrong. So okay. You got to say that name. But but wait a minute, but, and this is not only just the Uris, it's the Uris Performante performance, I guess. Precisely. This is the Uris Performante. <laughs> now we're saying both words, possibly. Um, so the car's been out for a couple of years, and it's a it's, it's this big honking SUV, Alan. It weighs like 5,200 pounds. Wow. So it is a big honking SUV. And the last thing you expect from a big honking SUV is massive acceleration and massive handling capability. And the standard Urus that's been out for a few years was already good at both of those things, better than it had a right to be. And now the Performante cranks it up again that just came out this year. Mm. So top speed, 190, zero to 60 in about 3.2 seconds. Oh, my god! Power is six, 657 <laughs> horsepower, 627 pound-feet of torque. Starting price, $260,000. Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah. No wonder they so don't let me drive that. In every sense of the word. <laughs> yeah. But they're really cool, Alan. They're really cool. Like the body lines, it looks kind of like a Lamborghini, right? It's got these crazy, like sharp lines going down the side. No, of it. it looks, looks kind of cool. like a, a Lamborghini that was a blowfish. When you see a blowfish, you go, "Oh, look at that!" And you get too close to it, and it goes, and it blows up. And that's what the Lamborghini. It it looks like a blown up Lamborghini, like a balloon version. Because it, it does yes, look like a Lamborghini, but, you know, it's a, it's an SUV, for goodness sakes. You it's know? so cool, Alan. And it sounds, oh, my gosh. And it's got all these modes. And, by the way, one of the things the Performante did besides that some power, and they made it lighter. They had, like, a carbon fiber hood, so they made it lighter, is they put in a rally mode. And it's officially meant to put more power to the rear wheels. Of course, it's got all-wheel drive like all these things do. But that mode puts more power to the rear wheels, basically intentionally meant for rally-type driving. And you know what rally driving means, Alan. You're off-road, oh, and you're yeah. steering with the throttle as right. much as you steer with the steering wheel, right? You're All punching the, the gas right. to get the back end to come around around corners mm, and stuff. Mm. And it's it's the, the driving mode helps you do that in this car off-road. Now, I don't know how many people are going to take a $260,000 SUV off-road, off-road. rocks and gravel, <laughs> banging around off the thing right. when you do that. But you could. In theory, you could. Yeah. Oh, well, i got to tell you. My Viper, and you drove my Viper as I drove your Ford GT. Or did I? No, I didn't drive your Ford GT. I let you drive my Viper. Oh, I wanted you to. Yes, you I know, because it was. <laughs> I know how dear it was to you. But I, it's 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds. That's a Viper ACR. This is a big yeah. SUV. This is a cartoon character of an SUV that looks like a, a Lamborghini, because it is a Lamborghini. But uh, you know what? Again, it's one of those you got to drive it to understand it. And uh, so I, I guess yeah. I have to say I, I can't wait till I can drive it. Two hundred sixty thousand bucks. The Lamborghini Urus Performante. Carl, thank you, brother. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> You'll be able to see this story at Forbes Autos. Uh, Carl Brower, you're the best, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right, I'm gonna punch you in the baby maker, make you go. Urus, Urus, Urus. You know I'm trying to please to the calling of your. 
the word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, yes, another day, another dollar. I should be playing that money for nothing and your chicks for free. But, uh, you know, being a car journalist is a fun job. But uh, it's not money for nothing and the chicks aren't free, I'll tell you right now. But anyway, BJ Colleen, how you doing, BJ? Are you saying speaking of chicks that aren't free? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the chicks aren't free. I'm Actually, in your case, you have to pay for me to come to your house and stay. Whenever I go to Las Vegas, she's like, oh, geez, here he comes again. Anyway. But, oh, no, I love it when you show up. <laughs> but our friend David Newhart from Motor Trend, when we all worked at Motor Trend, and he hadn't, you know, I didn't know it. It's funny because, you know, life continues on. He hadn't worked at Motor Trend since 2003, 20 years ago. Yeah, and I, I said, well, goes fast. yeah, it's like, what in the heck? I go, well, that's the year I left. He goes, I know we both left at the same time. I went to car and driver and then 20, I don't know, maybe 2011. I went back to Motor Trend and then I left there again. And so it was, you know, up and down and around. And But it's funny. So David Newhart, who's a friend of uh, a mutual friend of ours, she says, what's he doing up there? <laughs> and uh, he is a photographer. This guy is a diamond medallion million mile flyer on Delta Airlines. And I said to him, I said, uh, what, what are you going to do with all those miles? He goes, what are you kidding me? He goes, I went to Japan, me and my girlfriend. And it was first class, the, the, the seats that lay down, you know, to where it's a full flat bed. And I go, well, what that cost you? Two first class trips to Japan 500,000 miles. <laughs> it is the way to go, though. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Go. Yeah, right. But, you know, anyway. David, is he's an excellent automotive photographer. Oh, yeah. Years. He's got books out on Mustangs. He's an authority on Mustangs. And yeah. uh, if you see the Meekum auction catalog, he's the one that goes out and takes all the pictures of everybody's cars. Yeah. So you have good representation before you buy it. So uh, God bless him. Nice guy. Yeah. He's, he's, it was good seeing him. It's, it's, we reminisced and laughed and joked and it was just like being, uh, you know, 10 years old again. That's the funny thing. Anyway, I do have some interesting news to share with you. All right. Before you get going on the news. Um, So I, uh, (laughs) I have, a little, um, how I say this, a little dicky bird tells me about a vehicle that's going to be coming from Dodge. And okay. so uh, I keep hearing more and more and more about it. And, and, and maybe it'll have this elephant, thousand horsepower engine. They call it a elephant, like a hemi elephant, elephant. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's like I keep hearing more and more about it. So I decided, you know what? I've got the president of Dodge's cell phone number. 
So I thought, I'm going to just send him a text. So how does Alan typically send text to people? You know, it's not the normal kind of text. No. I, I haven't talked to the guy in about, um, uh, it's probably been seven, eight months ago. We had a little exchange of back and forth and it was kind of funny. So I send him a note that says, I hate you with a little <laughs> finger pointing at the word you, right? And then about a half an hour later, I get this, huh? With a question mark. And I said, oh yeah, the pleasantries. Because this is the last thing he said to me. He says something, he just, he just blurts out some information and then I go, I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? And he goes, oh, yeah, the pleasantries. I hope you're doing well, all this garbage. So I said, when he, when he says, huh? I go, oh, yeah, the pleasantries. I hope you're doing well. So then all of a sudden he tells me about something that's coming, of which I cannot talk about, but I will, because he says, you should be there. And there will be in Las Vegas. They're going to unveil this thing next month in March. So okay. I will see if I can get you there. And Ooh, um, I like yes. That. Yep. So something wickedly powerful this way come from Dodge. And that's cool. all I can say right now. So I'll I'll leave it at that. And uh, yeah, well, well, you know, but I'm so glad and I hope it's not electric. Oh, but you know, <laughs> it may be. So I better shut up. We'll be right back. It is the drive. Upon a midnight period walk with something in my head I couldn't escape the memory Stay tuned, there's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor on the road ahead. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Oh, there it is. There's the song. Dire Straits, money for nothing, and your car's for free. BJ Colleen joining us. Uh, BJ, um, news. I, there's not really that much news going on right now, is there? No, it's a little slow, but I, I wanted to lead off with a little bit of a tidbit about Tesla. Okay. Because we always talk about Tesla. And I, I just wanted to let you know that, believe it or not, 95% of all Teslas produced are still on the road. Now, wow. the other 5% actually made it home. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me that. That is a funny joke. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. I can't wait to use that one. Okay. 
Please don't sue us. Yeah, actually, I was writing this down. I, I thought. I know. Somebody told me that one. I just thought it was the best joke I'd heard in a long time. So you don't get too many car jokes too often. I but, know. Uh, a brand new fangled yeah. electric car joke. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you don't get too many electric car jokes either, but mostly because they're a joke on their own, a lot of them. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll just let that go. So That's speaking fun. of uh, electric vehicles, our good friends at Bentley, we love Bentley vehicles. They're just stunning. They're fast. They're expensive. They said that the W12 engine will be done with production April of next year. That's an so, engine that just didn't really ever become a big deal. And it actually kind of is a big deal, but it was kind of a no thing for people. But it was a, an amazing run, I guess, for considering you just don't hear anybody like going, yeah, it's got a W12 in it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, I mean, and that is a huge thing, right? But yeah, and so. it, it's interesting because remember when the W12 came out? I think it was in the, was it the VW Phaeton? And then yeah. I think uh, then because Rolls-Royce and Volkswagen, although Bentley, they all, not Rolls-Royce, but Bentley and Volkswagen owned by the same company. So, but, you know, they've made, they said they made over 105,000 of them since the six liter twin turbo was introduced for 2003. But what's interesting is those are collectible engines because they each hand built by a team of craftspeople, it takes about six and a half hours to complete one. So they really are kind of cool. And uh, they said the final model it's going to get is the Bentley Batur, and it's going to make about 740 horsepower and, and almost that same amount of torque. But you can't go and buy one because they're already spoken for. The uh, 18 Baturs that they're doing are going to spoken for. But they said if you have the money and you still want one, they have limited order slots for the Continental GT Speed. The Bentega speed and flying spur speed. So not wow. a lot of, of spots open, but if you're a car collector and you don't own a W12 Bentley, now is the time to step up and, and, and buy one because they will be collectible items somewhere down the line. Well, I will tell you that you talk about the Volkswagen Phaeton, which I don't know how long, how many years ago was that now? You know, that Millions. was, <laughs> yeah, I remember I was on with, uh, I think it was like Regis and Kelly, maybe back, you know, a, a decade ago or so. And yep. they called this Volkswagen Phaeton stealth wealth because it was a Volkswagen that cost over a hundred grand with the W12 yes. in it. And, but it I, didn't go over big. It didn't, but it had the W12. Now, what? and if you guys are like, oh, who cares? What is a W12? We're talking about a 12-cylinder engine in a W configuration. Like, you've heard of V8. Well, this is a W12. So, and, and you, if you saw how it was designed, you go, wow, that's some heavy-duty engineering. But this is the first vehicle that I went over 300 miles an hour in. Did you know that? Wow. I did not know that. Well, I, I yeah. was like freaking out because I looked down and I'm doing over 300. I was 304 miles an hour. And I went, oh, my God, I'm going 300 miles an hour. And the guy goes, no, it's kilometers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was in Germany. But that's still that's, so fast. that's 189 miles an hour. But let me tell you, I didn't even care. I thought I'm just going to just haul butt. We're on the Autobahn. There's nobody out here. And I'm like, you know, it's like crazy. I look down and it's 300. I'm like, this is insane. My brain kind of exploded inside. I'm sure I had a brain aneurysm. Because I thought I'm going more than 300, and, and nobody had at that time, nobody had even done that in a regular streetcar. 
And then I find out now nah, you hadn't even broke 200. So I, I still haven't actually gone 200. I'm, I think 189 is my top speed in a street car, which was I, that um, car. That's pretty good. I think I did 150 on a track. I did 120 on the Autobahn. And I thought, in a, this was an Audi 5,000 years ago. And there were Porsches flying by me. And I, <laughs> yes. you know, you look down and because the Autobahn's so smooth, you know, back then and, and the car is so smooth and quiet. You don't realize how fast you're going. And then I looked down. I went, okay, that's stupid. Just slow down. (laughs) I don't want to die here. Yeah. No, that's too funny. Crazy. Now, going fast. Boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, When the road in front of you is actually history, because what you're looking at, by the time you can possibly react, is already behind you. Uh, that's, That's when you're going, you know, that kind of speed. Uh, you really have to be a skilled driver, and I'm not, so I don't go that fast anymore. <laughs> we'll take a break. BJ Colleen is here. It is the drive. Don't go anywhere. He was looking for the place called Leho Fuchs. This message comes to you from our sponsor Subaru and their first SUV of its kind, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Solterra, built to help protect the environment so it can be explored. It's the first electric vehicle to feature the legendary standard capability of symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you to places traditional electric vehicles can't reach. Love is now electric. Learn more at Subaru.com slash Solterra. This is... The Drive with Alan Taylor. I love that part of the beginning of the song. (laughs) That's the sound I'm about to make because BJ's going to report on Faraday Future. (laughs) Are they still a thing? You know, it's funny because I know you remember when Chevrolet came out with their little hot rod truck called the SSR. Remember that? Right. right. They introduced it way early because they were talking about how cool this thing's going to be. And it was approximately six years from the time they first showed it to the time it came out in production. And by that time, all the buds had dried up. Everybody was over it. And the car lasted, what, two, three years, and it quietly disappeared into the automotive ether. So, you know, it was a great idea. It was a cool truck. You see one every now and then. You don't see a lot of them, kind of like uh, Plymouth Prowler. You don't see a lot of them around. But it was a joke because they took so long to introduce it, people just gave up on it. And the same is kind of being true with Faraday Future. Now, Faraday Future was probably one of the earlier electric vehicle companies that weren't, you know, a mass-produced OEM. And so they said, hey, they started in California, and then they were going to build a big factory. And then they moved to Vegas, and they were going to build a big factory here, and that didn't happen. And they kept putting out press releases and press releases, and nothing happened. And, you know, they became kind of the electric vehicle joke of the industry yeah and actually believe it or not they just got another 135 million dollars in funding it's like god who is giving them this money i mean this is like the emperor's new clothes i just googled that hunter biden evidently is funding this (laughs) (laughs) we're we're the owners right we own it right so no actually it's it's a um the global ceo was financed mostly by a Chinese billionaire, which is kind of interesting because I thought China was a you know socialist communist country. Why are there billionaires in China? I don't know. Right. Uh, but that's fascinating. So they finally got it, and they said, okay, 
this is another one of our milestones and we're going to be completing construction and equipment installation in the vehicle assembly areas. It's kind of like one of those, yeah, 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 I'll believe it when I actually see right, the vehicle. Right. But now because they've waited so long, there are other companies that have stepped in. You know, you've got uh, Polestar and then you've got Lucid oh um, yeah. that's come in. And this vehicle now, they're promising a range of 381 miles, but compared to Tesla, it's a joke. Also, 1,050 horsepower, but, you know, that's something Lucid's offering, and Lucid has more of. Where they're winning, and this is my favorite, the FF91 Futurist is what they're calling the vehicle. It's going to have 11 screens. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. 11 screens, yeah, and suicide doors. That's their big claim to fame, okay? It's like, are you kidding me? And then the price tag is going to be around a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Oh, so, my God! I know, I know. It's just unbelievable. I mean, who is going to pony up that for a company that you don't even know if they're going to be around in another two years or if the production's ever going to happen? Mm, this is mm, just—I mm. I don't know. You know, it's—it almost feels like a money laundering scheme to me at this point. <laughs> Do you agree? Because like we haven't seen anything. Oh, uh, that's why I said Hunter it. Biden. You know. Oh, <laughs> oh I think my. we're really close to it. So it's it just oh. it cracks me up that they they keep talking about this product and you know it's probably going to come out. This better be you know a, a gift from God that He created this vehicle because otherwise it's just going to flop and this Chinese billionaire is no longer going to be a billionaire. That's mm. for sure. So mm. I just I don't get it. I don't well. understand it. But. They're not giving up. Well, here's the thing. I mean, the first thing that that stands out to me is eleven screens. I mean, I can yeah. I understand, you know, a screen for the um, IP, the instrument panel, uh, maybe a screen for the HVAC, the heating, ventilation, air conditioning, maybe a screen for the passengers so they can do their social media or whatever they got to do, and maybe a screen on the back of the seat. So I'm <laughs> counting, and you know, there's two seats. So then you've got five. What in the world? What are they going to do? Have screens on the ceiling, screens down next to your feet? I mean, come on. And, and do we need more distractions behind the wheel? Um, no. You know, the, the the thing that's in the news right now is this uh, Tesla with the self-driving thing that ran into the back of a um, fire truck the other day. Yep. And I thought, you I know, somebody wrote about it that, you know, it's like, you know, think of this. You're on a freeway. The freeway is blocked. And there's a fire truck sideways and all the lights and all the things that are going on when they do that person had to be asleep right and letting the car drive them and it failed so i just all this insanity is exactly that insanity um here here's another thing too you talked about that joke which was very funny this whole infrastructure problem and because of we're getting you know the whole country is being beaten up i think by some bad weather right now and i was I was thinking about this as I went to uh, a gas station the other day and they put uh, gasoline in my diesel truck. Oh, yeah. A full tank of gasoline in my diesel truck. Right. So um, I'm not even going to ask. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, loose nut behind the wheel. And so I I was not paying attention the way I should be. So I take some of the blame. And then, you know, the truck started running funny, shut it off. It cost. And I was very lucky. Over a thousand dollars after I had my truck towed to the mechanic, he says, "You know, the injector pump could have could have completely grenaded." He says, "You're lucky. All we had to do was take the gas tank out and stuff." But so I'm thinking about the electric vehicle infrastructure and how I see over at the the local 
Tesla charging station here in town, there's about 10 inches of water, you know? <laughs> and it's, I'm just waiting to hear about one of those... <laughs> One of those situations where man fried to death, plugging in his car, you know. Anyway, BJ, thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. Always good talking to you. Thanks for reporting our news here on The Drive. All right, we'll take a little break and be back with more. Don't go anywhere. It's The Drive. Think I need a devil to help me get things right. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, it is now time to find out a little bit more about what happened at the Daytona 500. From the guy that was there, Stephen Cole Smith. He works with Haggerty, Haggerty.com, and Grassroots Motorsports. And uh, I would like to say that uh, I wish I was there, but I'm... I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of uh, torn anymore with so much travel, and uh, you know, to get to Florida for me, Steve, it's an entire solid day from dark in the morning till you know probably you know eight, nine, ten, eleven o'clock at night. It is so far to go from where I am that I, it's just like wow. You need to stay there a week to recover. So I'm glad you're there to report on it for us. I got to watch just a just a little bit on TV for a few minutes, and then I had grandpa duty, so uh, I enjoy that, by the way. So so what yeah, was I, the recap? I, I know what you mean about the travel. Um, like, if I came to see you, I could go to England quicker than I could get to where you are. <laughs> right, because you uh, live in Florida. In the Northeast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Northwest. So. By the way, and it's um, snowing. Yeah. It's snowing yeah, here. Right now, it's snowing, just so you know. Just, just saying. Wow. <laughs> well, today may be a record day where it's uh, going to be in the 90s. Oh. And that would be the warmest uh, February in uh, history in wow. this part of the country. So, so weird. And bright and sunny. So when I talked to all my friends up in Michigan that work for Haggerty, yeah. uh, one of them was going to be in Florida in the next day or two, but his flights were canceled because of the weather up oh, there. Oh, yeah, it's bad. So uh, I, uh, you know... Like I say, hurricane time, nobody wants to be in Florida. Right. But this time of the year, man, everybody wants to be down yeah, here. Yeah, no, nice. That's one so. good thing. Well, so, so what happened at the Daytona 500? I heard a little underdog story. Yeah, it's uh, it was one of those races, and the restrictor plate races, which is Daytona and Talladega, usually are. 
boring, 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 boring. Oh my God. And then uh, all of a sudden something happens like the big one. And there were a couple of big ones in the Daytona 500. Mm. There was even a big one on the very last lap when Travis Pastrana got turned around. But uh, the guy that won, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., is a uh, sprint car driver from Olive Branch, Mississippi, just south of Memphis, which is where I'm from. So I've always kind of pulled for him. Drives for a one-car team that's owned partially by Brad Doherty, the former uh, NBA basketball player. He becomes the first black owner to win the Daytona 500. Wow. So it's a, it's a good story. I mean, one-car teams aren't supposed to do this. Stenhouse isn't supposed to do this. Ford may or may not shouldn't have done this, but he did it. And it's a it's the coolest thing about it. The night that it happened, there was a picture of him with his big trophy, the big Harley J. Earl trophy, in a Waffle House <laughs> where he had gone to eat. And I know the Waffle House he went to, I think. And the cool thing about it is the picture is of him sitting at the table with the trophy and in the background, all the Waffle House workers are just going about their business like there's nothing going on. <laughs> right, that's so awesome. You work, you work late night in a Waffle House. You've seen everything. And I guess that <laughs> those people kind of felt that way about it. But a good news for Ricky, though, and it's uh, it makes your season and makes your career. He's always going to be a Daytona 500 winner, so that's hats awesome. off to him. That's great. I, I love those kind of stories. And I love it when they go out of their way to make sure that it's relative to the, the everyday workaday, you know, people that, uh, that eat at the waffle house. I, it's funny because I, I bought a waffle house coffee cup when I was in Florida. Oh my gosh, probably, you know, eight, 10 years ago. And it's like my favorite cup. It's like a big, thick <laughs> ceramic cup, you know, that's too funny. Yeah. yeah. So can I ask you about, oh, uh, cool. Travis Pastrana now, this guy yeah. is not famous because of NASCAR. Can you talk about him a little bit, how, how he did, and how long has he been running in NASCAR and all that now, and what do you think about his career in NASCAR? Man, that's a great question. He tried NASCAR. You know, he's, he's a rally driver, which is driving through the woods at breakneck speeds right. sideways, and he does uh, global rallycross, and uh, it's, uh, it's like a motocross course inside a stadium that's what he's known for that and and flying off buildings and jumping out of airplanes and doing all kinds of stuff and he got the money from black rifle coffee to go nascar racing and he got a car from uh the 2311 team which is uh michael jordan and uh i think it's michael jordan yeah and denny hamlin and uh, it was a really good car, so he qualified in on speed because he was one of the guys that didn't have a charter. The top 36 teams have charters. They start no matter what. But there was only four spots left, and he got one of them. And he did pretty well. He, uh, he spun out early in the race, got back in there, and got back on the lead lap and was running pretty high and then coming down to the checkered flag he got turned, I think, by it might have been Kevin Harvick and kind of took out part of the field. But he ended up finishing 11th, which is kind of unheard of yeah. for somebody that's run their first NASCAR Cup race. He tried NASCAR before in the trucks in the Xfinity Series, and he told me that it just didn't work out, that he just wasn't able to get it down. But mm. apparently he was pretty good with a cup car. He kept his nose clean all day right up until the end and mm. 
and finished 11th, which uh, tip of the hat to Travis. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's like sports. When you go from rally driving in in like a um i don't know who he, what what he drove i don't know was it ford or subaru or god knows who subaru was it subaru, subaru that's what yeah. i thought yeah you go from that it's like a water polo player playing football it's that different right. of, yeah. a, of a thing you know it's not like it's just, these two things are not like each other other than they're both motorsports so i was pretty surprised when i heard he did 11th and and of course i saw the crash too but Wow. So, I mean, do you think he's going to stay in NASCAR, Travis? Pistrano? Oh, no, no. He, this was a one-time okay. deal. This was okay. Something to see if he was going to be able to do it. He'll go back to his regular life now. <laughs> go back back to our regular scheduled programming. Yeah, oh, that is which funny. is jumping off buildings and out of airplanes. And, yeah. And That's weird, isn't it? It's, life is funny. You know, one of his good friends was Ken Block, the stunt driver. Right. So Travis had been doing some stuff for for Block, so I expect he'll be doing that more than than he is doing other other stuff. So the the Gymkhana kind of stuff that Ken Block was so famous for, and, and for those that don't know, Hoonigan, I think at Hoonigan, a lot of the Hoonigan stuff was Ken Block. And guys All like all of it was, yeah, yeah, and 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 also I think didn't didn't Travis and some of the other guys do a little Hoonigan stuff too? I don't know. Yeah, Travis for the past six months has been doing a lot of Hoonigan stuff with Block. Gotcha. Uh, I think Block was trying to transition out of it. Of course, he got killed in the snowmobile accident a couple of months ago. Yeah, but uh, Travis was pretty upset by it uh, when I talked to him, but. I think he'll be keeping it alive. He and Ken Block's daughter, who already has millions of followers on YouTube, she's a pretty good driver, too. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, well, it'll be fun to see what Travis Pastrana does. I- I've met him a number of times. Just a regular dude. And, and you know, Ken Block what is the nice same guy. way. Yeah. yeah bo- both nice those guy. guys, you know, risking their lives so that we can laugh and go, can you believe that? You know? It's all right. Exactly. Uh, let's take a little break. Stephen Cole Smith joining us from Haggerty.com and Grassroots Motorsports. We've been talking about the Daytona 500. More motorsports talk after this. Stay with us. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. You're listening to The Drive all across America on radio stations like the one you're probably listening to, or you can find us online, all the usual places. The Drive with Alan Taylor. Thanks to Dodge for sponsoring our show. Um, I hear that there is going to be a big announcement next month. I've actually been back and forth with the president of Dodge, and he says, yeah, it's a monster. So whatever they're going to show the world or tell the world about, uh, We'll be reporting on it because I, I just got an invite to the VIP side of things, Stephen Cole Smith. So I'll be in Vegas. They're going to do some sort of an unveiling of the monster coming from Dodge. I cannot wait. Yeah. He says, I'm either yeah, going to retire. I did a story, did a story yeah. on that today. They oh. just released 
one of the first videos, and it's uh, oh. an evil leprechaun morphing into Dr. Death, which is supposed <laughs> to give us a hint of what it's going to be. But it's going to be an ultimate challenger or a charger. We don't know which one yet. But I'm guessing it's going to be a thousand horsepower. Yeah. I'm guessing it's going to be a thousand one horsepower, yeah. whatever it is. Right. But Just to be yeah, that'll uh, that'll show up at the uh, Motor Trend event, the Roadkill event, right. in Vegas in uh, in March. Yep. So I, I yeah I I was back and forth, and uh, this guy is so funny. He says I'm either going to be fired or I'm going to retire. He says uh, semantics. Uh-huh. So <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Anyway, okay. So this weekend. NASCAR in Fontana, what do you know? Well, it's a Pala Casino 400, and it's the last race that's going to be at the Fontana track as we know it. Hmm. Uh, The track is, uh, what, a mile and a half, two miles. It's a super speedway, and it just has never had the crowd that they think it should have. So they're actually tearing the track up after this race and making it, I think, a half or a three-quarter mile a short track. You're kidding. Make it, um, you know, they're going to make it smaller because they think more people like to watch the action. And you're more up close. You know, the cars at a two-mile track or a mile-and-a-half track, once they're on the back straightaway, they're pretty far away. A lot of times there's there's obstructions where you really can't see very well. You can see everything in a half-mile track, which is like Bristol or Martinsville. So that's it's going to be interesting. This will be the whoever wins this race will go down in the history books as the last winner of the Fontana race, the way it is now. Yeah, and so you think they're going to make it as as small as Bristol? That it's like a bowl. I think they're going to model it after Bristol. It's probably not going to have the uh, banking that Bristol has. I think it's going to be a little less of a uh, of a of a severe kind of track that, that bristol is it's a, a life or death track there when mm. you're running and you, you get screwed up but i think it might be more like richmond is mm. what i'm guessing mm-hmm. that's seems to be the template that nascar points to as a track that they really like the racing on uh three-quarter mile track you know smooth not banked very high but definitely a lot of action and that's what they're looking forward to bring to california the race is uh, the Pala Casino 400, 3.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow on uh, Fox. It's uh, going to be an interesting follow-up to Daytona because it's a lot different track. Well, interesting. So here's my question for you. First thing that comes to mind is you called it a super speedway, really fast on those big speedways. Is this maybe an interesting way of slowing things down and as well as making things perhaps a little more interesting because you can, you know, see in a smaller space, but I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a gamble to, to try to bring a crowd into California. I mean, you look at the size of the available audience in the Los Angeles area and the fact that they can't fill up a track that has probably 70, 80,000 seats yeah. is kind of sad when some of the tracks, you know, like a Bristol, which is in the middle of nowhere, you know, can sell out. It's, uh, it's, it's a gamble on NASCAR's part. If they spend all this money and nobody still comes, it's going to be pretty embarrassing. But I'm sure they've done some some research, and they're they're figuring this is what's going to be uh, required to save NASCAR racing in California. God, isn't that weird to think? Literally the uh, epicenter of all automotive, um, I don't know, just it seems like California, cars, you know what I mean? 
Um, and- there's just there's just some cities that don't embrace racing the way oh. others do, yeah. like Miami. Uh, yeah, they've got a, a Grand Prix, a Formula One race, but they don't have another, even a little short dirt track for probably 75 or 80 miles away. Nobody goes to races down there except for the big one. And mm. there's something about Los Angeles. There's so much other stuff to do. It's hard to get to Fontana. It's not exactly the epicenter of, uh, of Los Angeles. Yeah. But uh, you still would think there's going to be, you know, 70, 80,000 people that want to go see a race, and that just hasn't happened out there. It's interesting. And I remember Barrett Jackson was in uh, Orange County at the fairgrounds there, and they kind of had the same issue. Um, there's just so much to do in Los Angeles. All right, we'll take a break. Right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the upcoming Amelia Island Concours. I've been a number of times. Steve is going to be there. It is now a Haggerty. Haggerty.com, Haggerty event. So stay with us. We'll find out about what's going on there. Be right back. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. Just a car guy having fun talking about cars with my friends. Stephen Cole Smith, one of the um one of the good guys in the automotive world. Motorsports is his specialty. He works for Haggerty.com and Grassroots Motorsports, but Haggerty has uh, in the in the well the distant not too distant future or past I should say bought one of the 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 most awesome car events for car guys and gals and collectors probably in in the United States anyway and it is constantly in a battle for first place with uh, Pebble Beach Amelia Island the Amelia Island Concours and what are they calling it now They're, they've kind of twisted the name just a little bit for Haggerty well, they're still calling it the Amelia Concourse. That's I think if they you just want to read it, about it, yeah. you can log on. Yeah, I think I, I, what I, I'm coming to a memory here of they call it's it the, just the Amelia. The Amelia. Yes, 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 yes. Anyway, I've been a number of times with my buddy Dick Messer, who lives right there in Jacksonville. And uh, I haven't been in a couple of years, but, of course, a lot of us haven't been places in a couple of years. But uh, yeah. So give us a little uh, update on the Amelia. Well, it's it's my favorite car event. Uh, I've been to Pebble Beach in California, and it's just a little overwhelming for me. 
I don't want to say that Amelia is blue collar, but it's a little more relaxed than Pebble Beach. You don't see quite as many people with lime green jackets and yellow pants. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a, a lot of attitude and testosterone out there that that uh, I don't get at Amelia. Amelia is yeah. just more laid back and more of a family event. Yeah. Um, it's March uh, 2 through 5 this year for the 2023 one. They always honor a person, typically a motorsports uh, figure. And this year it's Jeff Gordon, the NASCAR driver. He's the honoree, and I've wrote the story on him for the program. So that's somebody that I've known for a long time and like a lot. There's going to be a, a seminar with him and, and Ray Evernham, his longtime crew chief, talking about life at Hendrick Motorsports, which is where he won all of his races. It should be a good event. There's a, a lot going on. There's a Radwood, which is the the uh, car show for cars from the 80s that nobody really appreciates, and I still think my consular ought to be in it. And uh, there's going to be a Lemons concourse, which is uh, concourse. They're just horrible, horrible cars, you know, AMC Pacers and stuff like that that people really take care of and appreciate, which right. is kind of fun. So uh, you've got that, plus you've got all the stuff that's going to be next Sunday, which is the actual Amelia Concourse, which is uh, they'll pick a uh, grand prize winner, and I get to run back to the hotel and write about it. <laughs> that's cool. I will tell you, I, I like Jeff Gordon. He just seems like a down-to-earth guy. I don't know. You, you're the motorsports guy. You know, what, what his family life is like and all that kind of stuff. To me, that that makes a difference. I don't know about you, but for me... I like to see a guy who has got some foundation and, and he just seemed like he had a good foundation kind of, you know, in who he is and, and good energy. If I could say that, what do you think? Just a nice guy. I ended up sitting next to him at a David Letterman show at the New York auto show once him and his then wife and just got to see him away from the racetrack and away from all the pomp and circumstance and just couldn't be a nicer guy, a more yeah. generous, uh, friendly fellow. It's, he was, he, he just turned NASCAR on its ear when he came in, when yeah. it was Jeff Gordon against Dale Earnhardt, <laughs> you couldn't find two more different kind of guys from yeah. different places. Jeff is from California, grew up in Indianapolis and came to NASCAR just because that's where he thought his future was going to be. And sure enough, it was, he yeah. won four championships and won the Daytona 500 three times. So he's, He's a guy, if you're going to honor somebody while they're still alive, at least, yeah. uh, I think he's a pretty good pick. Well, I think it's cool. I had a chance to talk to him two years ago, just before all the the corona stuff was really going wild, at Barrett-Jackson, actually. And, um, you know, I honestly, you meet a lot of people doing this job, and he literally just had such good energy, and we just chit-chatted and talked and... You know, I asked him, you know, what he was looking at, and he, he had a few cars he had his eye on. And just, I mean, I love that when you have somebody that's, you know, done what he's done, but it has not turned him into a prima donna, you might say. So, absolutely. That's Jeff yep. in a nutshell. All right. Uh, March two through five for the Amelia, uh, Amelia Island in Florida. Steve will be there. It's uh, haggerty.com. You can find more information and probably read Steve's story about it. Steve, thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure, Alan. Take care, man. Thank you, brother. One of the good ones. Of course, I don't have any bad ones on my show, but one of the good ones, Stephen Colesmith. I'm Alan Taylor. 
Uh, you know what? Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next week. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru, and their first SUV of its kind, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Solterra, built to help protect the environment so it can be explored. It's the first electric vehicle to feature the legendary standard capability of symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you to places traditional electric vehicles can't reach. Love is now electric. Learn more at Subaru.com slash Solterra.